right. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. How are you? All right. I'm pretty good. How you doing? Welcome, everybody, to There is Purple. What's going on, buddy? What's going on, man? Episode 10. It's been a while. Three weeks. We got a lot to talk about. Yes, it's been a long time. We've had uh, some going on. We couldn't make it happen, but we're back in action. Back in action, folks. Back at and we're going to have a, one. We've a bunch of games to talk about. We've got, obviously, big news with with Ole out, finally. No more Ole at the wheel. <laughs> uh, big ties in uh, in the Champions League and, obviously, action from the last few weeks. So, hit me up. What do you think, man? Should we start with the Derby? Let's. I was going to say, I feel like we should start there. It feels like forever ago, but I feel like it's a good place to start. Um, what'd you think from a city angle? Well, I don't think, I think every single fan from the city or United standpoint felt the same way. It was city domination throughout the entire game. So I don't think there's agreement from, and, uh, again, city, obviously we're going to talk about a whole bunch more games, but very dominant display. Um, just real quickly, uh, they made 91% of their passes. They had 68% possession, 16 shots, five on target. And De Gea was very good. Um, where to start in that? Uh, I think we should actually talk about United setup first because that was probably the, the big talking point going into the, into the match. What do you, what did you think of that? They obviously went, I think it was five at the back. Am I correct? You are correct. I'm trying to uh, to bring that one up. Actually, I know. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're right. It was, it was Lindelof and uh, obviously McGuire and Bissaka on the links. And then uh, you had Greenwood up front with Ronaldo, McFred in the middle, and then uh, Bruno Fernandez. And uh, yeah, it was shifty from all the way. He hadn't played that formation. And you think that he was feeling pretty damn nervous uh, going back, thinking about the game. I mean, United didn't look like they were confident at all. It didn't look like they knew, you know, what they were really supposed to be doing. They had a couple of chances. They had the Ronaldo flash um, and a very early Maguire chance. But overall, just took them to pieces. Did not look from, uh, from United, especially the way that the goals occurred. City probably could have had four or five, even six again. Um, but it was big mistakes. Bruno Fernandez did not, uh, Cancelo, which was terrible in my opinion. I, I, I know you probably saw that. We're disgusted by that. I can't believe that. That, that would awful. not, that would not fly on a pep team right there. But you think that, you know, Ole is the man at the wheel and that's how they play and they didn't go after it. So very, uh, very disappointing him. And then McGuire was to sleep at the back line. De Gea was a little bit asleep too, although it should have never got through. Bernardo was just there to pounce. So it, it's a strange one, right? Because it was probably one of the worst matches I'd ever seen from a United standpoint. And United, I can't even I can't remember them having a concrete chance in that match. City dominated the entire time. They dominated play. They dominated possession. The entire game was all about City. They were just it was. It was like when you play like an elite FIFA player and they're just absolutely dominating you. You can't even get a touch on the ball. That's what it felt like. But if I were to pull any silver lining out of it and I'm grasping at straws here, I realize that. But the two city goals were easily preventable. One was a typical Eric Bailly, you know, 
slice into the net. You know, he just produces these ridiculous blocks on one end and then I'll go back and, you know, score an own goal. Yeah, and he then, had a, he had a, he was your man of the match, I believe the the game before that that game if I'm not mistaken. So everyone was actually pretty hyped on him and then he came out and did that. <laughs> I know, he's just typical. He's like the he's like the new Phil Jones unfortunately. And then on the other side, you're right. Maguire and Shaw fell asleep, so Bernardo tucked it in. De Gea probably should have saved it too because it just snuck in near post. He wasn't covered yeah, all the way. Really tough goal. So, really bad. And usually when you think about you know, United versus City and think back on the classic matches, there are good goals on both sides, but especially, especially on City's side as of late, from mm-hmm. open play, they just like, you know what, too good, couldn't do anything about it. Those were two goals, though, that United could have prevented. They were of their own doing, and City full well took advantage as a good Correct. team should. Correct. But we were we were pelting balls in the box. There was the pressure there. I think there was another ball that Lindelof had put back at the keeper. De Gea saved it. De Gea had a, a double save at a certain point. And I think he had I think he had ended up having only four saves, but they were huge saves that he stopped. Um so it was just uh that was that was a rough game and I was gonna run into your players um Back at the time, I'm not so heated up now. I wish we had done yeah, it. I was going to really rip in the players and rip, rip in how to how Ole set it up and how they approached it. Um, so it I just, just so thought negative. I think I think everybody saw the writing on the wall after you know first uh, Maguire had a chance that didn't even hit his head. He had a clean look and he missed yep. and it hit his arm. And after that, City were just it was off the races. So um, uh, I do scored, remember should have scored more. Cancelo had a fantastic match for City. He's untouchable. So, I, I, that's going to be a common theme over the next like four matches we discuss or over, over right now because it's incredible. The outside of the boot, uh, he got that. He, he or it was the left foot actually that he bursted by Fernandez with, and then he put it in the box that went off a. And then he yep. had an off of the right foot, outside of the right foot, to Bernardo for that goal. That was Cancelo. He's just been tearing it up, and we'll talk more about him. But absolutely, I talked about it earlier in the season. Uh, Cancelo, Bernardo, the Portuguese connection with Rodri uh, is just – its they're all – three of them are undroppable right now, and there's a couple other players that are undroppable um, that you know we can get into after, and also uh, Ruben, too, being the Portuguese connection. But it's That's just right. incredible right. that whole the whole – been phenomenal uh, just never stops the engine little engine that could love it he wanted to leave probably over this last uh when the last summer it didn't happen for him We're, that we still have him for at least another. there's three years on his contract so you would figure at least another two years um and he's yes. going to be happy that he's getting minutes so i think uh i think bernardo was just incredible cancelo was incredible uh, just really good, and and that again, uh, to see through the next. Uh, um, talk about there was that clear cut penalty on Jesus at the end, which I can't believe that VAR did not <laughs> overturn, which was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, that was that was a pity call. It was just <laughs> unbelievable that that was not called, and and even though it was only two zero at the time, I mean maybe if it's like four zero, five zero, or something like that, no, but only two zero. Come on, that is absolutely and that's a call right there. If I've ever seen one, I hundred percent agree. I can't think yeah. that. <laughs> um, couple more notes. Pep didn't even play a game, which is embarrassing. Didn't have to change one thing. And it's funny because from KDB, 
I don't know if they were after or before the match. They were probably after. Uh, yeah. They probably were they were before after. the match. They were after the match. Yeah. He goes, uh, yeah, we, uh, we were going to, tra- we always train the day before for the plan, uh, against the other team. And we only pl- practice for 10 minutes and then we left. So <laughs> I think that was, um, yeah, it was a telling sign right there that Pep was pretty damn confident and Pep was confident the whole entire time going into the, uh, end of the match. He was very, very upright, upright about it. And I think, I think it was awesome. Um, and that gives city the most, uh, away premier leagues in the premier league against, uh, United, which I think is, it's either eight or 13. Oh, I can't remember that. So we have the most wins at, uh, old Trafford. So there you go. Yeah. So, uh, and so while we're on it also about 10 years since, uh, Fergie said, uh, you know, not in my lifetime. And now it's been 10 years. United City have finished over United every year since with five Premier League titles. Uh, I think it puts a nice bow on the end of that game, unless you have anything to talk about. But it was just, uh, it was embarrassing. And you could tell that the writing on the wall was for Ole right there. And it was just unbelievable that he wasn't sacked after that. I mean, come on. I, I yeah, I've got nothing else to say on that one. Let's move on to Champions <laughs> League because yeah. that was freaking terrible. Um, yeah. All right, so midweek that week, um, United traveled to Atalanta. Um, what I'll say about that one is, holy crap. So first off, Varane, Varane came back from injury for one Was it game. Atalanta or was it Villarreal? Which one are we talking about right now? No, uh, this is Atalanta. We're going, I'm going uh, backwards, forwards, or okay. past to present. So Varane came back and he's starting to have, you know, he's the glass man. You know, he he goes down hurt, which is terrible. Uh, Bayou was out there with Maguire. So that means that, uh, that um, Matic had to come in and play center back because uh, Varane hurt himself in the City game. So one of those games where United shouldn't have had a chance and Cristiano Ronaldo saved them. Uh, Ilicic had a great goal in the 12th minute. Zapata scored again in the 56, but Ronaldo had one right before the break. Great goal. Um, and then the, the one in the 91st minute, I don't know if you saw that one, but Mason Greenwood, there was a question if it, you know, a ball passed in. I forgot who crossed it in, but it Greenwood touched it. It looked like it touched his hand. And then, Ronaldo just threw a boot at it and scored far post by the keeper. And it was a ridiculous goal because United had barely any possession or any clear cut chances in the second half. And they managed to get a point from that game. I did not Absolutely see that, ridiculous. but that sounds, that sounds crazy. Uh, that was deep it, in an extra time. It was, and it was on the road. I mean, it was, it, I can't even call it a classic United away point that they picked up. Because it was far from a classic. It was a total dog crap game. And the only reason United got a point was because Cristiano Ronaldo was on the pitch. The setup was the same as the City game. Uh, yeah, City well, was 3-5-2, was... but this was a 3-4-2-1. Absolutely terrible. And that was also coincidentally Pogba's last game, I believe, because he went out on uh, France duty after that and got himself hurt. And now he's out until the end of the year. Yeah, yeah that's another guy about we've talked we got a few comments to talk about which we've obviously new uh new absolutely so i mean not yeah. a lot to talk about about this game it was 
this is one of the luckiest points I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's I mean, what they, that's what they figured. I mean, that yeah, they were kind of hoping for. We can bring Cristiano Ronaldo in, and it'll make moments of magic and sell some jerseys. Yeah. And that, I think that was the plan the entire time. And they probably yeah. figured maybe Sancho would help out a little bit more, or uh, Greenwood would help about a little bit more. And Greenwood had a great start to this. Um, he did. He got COVID, unfortunately. Like, yeah, so he's but it seems, yeah. and that's messed up a lot of athletes, not just, you know, soccer players, a lot of different athletes. And some have not come back, you know, just have yeah, just as, COVID. As fast. So, yeah, he has COVID. I think he's probably almost done isolating by now, but that's just to add that as another thing on the list to him uh, with the uh, ligament damage in the ankle before and everything like that. So, just That's put right. that on the other list. We'll see how he comes out of that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so why don't we move on to City against Bruges? That was a, a 4-1 City win. What did you think about that one? Did Obviously, we, no surprise. Didn't we talk about this or no? No, we talked about City's other win against Bruges, which was 5-1. That was when Palmer scored and um, – the young, the young guys got out there. This was the, the this was the return leg. So, Foden, Mares, Sterling, Jesus scored. John Stone's own goal was Bruges' only goal. Ah, uh, I just don't remember that game, my man. I'm sorry. Where am I? No, there wasn't much. There, there I mean, wasn't, there... but I did. I did have. I did have notes on it, and now I just can't find them. So I'm a little bit confused. But that's okay. I mean, there's not much to talk about. There's no surprise there. We, you know, we we may have figured that because um, these games, don't forget, these Champions League games actually happen before the derby. Okay. Now we, I got yes. Now we were okay, talking so... about this before because we thought, okay. oh, Pep's okay. going to rest players for this Bruges game. And he didn't, he started pretty much as starting 11 that he starts every match. Yeah. Give or take a few. Cause we had, um, yeah, you got Walker. Okay, that, Stones, was, that, was that, the, that was the five, one game, right? Four, one game, four, one game, four, one, five, one was before that. Okay. So that's my old notes. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, sorry. I can't even contribute cause I can't even game off far don't worry about uh, it, man. You're saying Stones, <laughs> Stones gave us a couple – Stones gave uh, the own goal in. Um, but I know more about the P, which was obviously a lot more important. Yeah, let's uh, let's fast forward a little bit to – so that was week 11. So let's go right. to week 12. Let's go okay. to um, City against uh, Everton. Everton. Yes. And so pick our, our, our scores later. I assume one of us probably got this one right. Uh, we had a 3-0 sitting in. Um, starting up front was the man, the young man, Cole Palmer. And, yes. um, you know, he, he had a bunch of shots, uh, some great through balls. Um, he had maybe, I don't know if it counted as an assist or not, at the end of the goal. He was playing the fall. Awesome to see the young academy guy come in. Uh, very happy. He was playing up next to, um, to Foden. And, you know, we had, again, to who else? Joel Cancelo with an amazing, amazing quality pass and an amazing half volley finished from Sterling, which was uh, pretty incredible. 
Uh, that's another guy who's kind of starting to find a little bit of form right now. And we don't, he doesn't always take his chances, but what a, what a chance that he took on that one. Amazing contact on it. Great goal. Then uh, really, Rodri had a 55 minute from 25 yards, 15 or 10 minutes. You know, we kind of put the game to bed a little bit, um, but, uh, you know, happened in the, in the 86 minutes. So it was, it was, it was over. It was a quick game. Again, incredible, um, incredible domination by city city had uh, 93% pass accuracy. They had 78% possession, 17 shots, seven on target. It's just, you know, we you can write down these stats. We're going to list them for every game. You write down these stats and they're all just, you know, the numbers are incredible. Um, Mares came on for Foden or for Phil Foden. He came in for Laporte and James McAtee came on for Cole Palmer at the end of the game. So we had two really young Academy guys, which had they played in that brood, they did um is that the game you're talking about yes yeah yeah so yeah so now i'm starting to remember uh mac t getting into that game um but yeah you know it was it was just it was domination three zero um and this was before the uh no i'm sorry so yeah just domination it was domination city looking great and let's go through it again bernardo i would just say again Rodri, Rodri and Bernardo were are just amazing. Cancelo was amazing. Uh, those three, uh, it's it's really you know they're picked. Those three, I think Kyle Walker is an automatic starter right now. Ruben Diaz is not. Has that's to be. five, five, yeah. and then you either have Laporte or, um, and then you know the mid also. You've only got that one spot for Gundogan or KDB, and KDB is definitely not guaranteed it every game right now with the one is playing for the last year, year and a half. And you have to think if we're going to re-sign Gundogan. I don't think he's going to want to go anywhere else. He's playing amazing football. Yeah, why, why would he? Um, yeah, so so it was just amazing. And then really only the the dilemma really comes up to who do you start up front in the front three? And uh, right now, Jackie, Super Jackie, is uh, he's out. I don't know if I can't remember if he was in the lineup today or not. I know he didn't come onto the pitch, um, but uh, you know it, it picks itself almost pretty much most of the time, except for that forward line. And what is on that day is going to be the best combination to pick against those defensive players. Does he want Sterling out there? Does he want there? Does he want time to Cole Palmer? Um, it's just, it it is the team is almost picking itself right now, which is very, very nice. And, uh, you know, obviously there's been a lot of rotation in pep sides over the last few years and a lot of different combinations. I think it was only a few weeks ago. I was talking about how, um, it was the first time he had an unchanged squad. That was four or five or something like that, but it was the first time he had an unchanged squad in forever. So, I mean, the squad is almost picking itself right now, which is a very, very nice, you know, non-problem to have. It's really a non-issue. And, you know, you'll see, uh, again, in, in the few next few couple games, the front line changes. But those guys are the main contributors. And it was just, dominant again, domination, 3-0. Uh, City take three more points. What do you, uh, before we move on, what do you make of uh, Everton? I mean, they had Ancelotti leave for... Real Madrid in the summer, they bring in Rafa Benitez, who has a really good reputation in the Premier League with with Liverpool and Newcastle in particular. But um, 
not too good of a start this season for Everton, and they don't have a bad squad either. Um, yeah, I just – I think uh, they have – you know, you really like Richarlison. Uh, Calvert-Lewin got hurt, uh, was a good player. I think he's not playing at the moment. Um, you've got uh, Andrews Townsend and a lot of game time this year that uh, Rafa really likes. And, uh, you know, I just – I don't know. Don't know. Haven't seen them play enough. They've got a quality squad, and obviously Benitez can uh, organize them very well. But – I don't know if uh, they're going to be probably just a mid-table team. Again, I see them having a hard time, you know, competing with maybe staying up there with West Ham, maybe Spurs and Arsenal obviously look better right now. So rather than fighting for, you know, Europa League spots, just a mid-table team, uh, you know, it's going to be tougher. Yeah, per usual. So the Toffees have not changed very much. Um you know, they could still have David Moyes and still do, be doing pretty well. Um, and yep. David Moyes has been doing a good job with West Ham, so he's very good at navigating those mid-table clubs to those kind of um, We'll see if if, uh, if Rafa can do that or not. But, no, I think they're just a mid-table team. Um, won't be competing for the uh, uh, Europa League spots, even though they had a bright start to the season. But it's a long season. They're still uh, 20 so there's still a lot of games left there you go or 20 not 26 there's like 18 left um yes. no no i'm right yeah you're right so there's still right. there's still so there's still a lot of games that they're gonna drop and i think other teams will just stay above them so i don't think that they do much more of a challenge than that yeah agreed overall good city win the only thing i'll say is that pass from joel Cancelo was absolutely ridiculous well, just it's just it's it's incredible to talk about him, and obviously you can talk about Robertson and uh, Alexander Arnold over at um, right now. Cancelo and Walker, best best fullback pairing in the world, no doubt. Yep. Yeah. I mean, hey, for the viewers out there, we used to, we used to have a saying on the tennis court. Somebody had a really good shot. You'd say touch of a, and for the sake <laughs> of the clean clean podcast, we'll yeah. say the R word. Yeah, that was what that was that from Cancelo. Yeah, the guy just – and he can do it with both feet. He does it with the outside of the boot. Uh, he curls around the inside of the boot, can can do everything with the ball. And, you know, it's scary. Um, just a little fast forward, Zinchenko playing the false nine role for a little while. But, but like, Pep could probably put Cancelo in, in the false nine role, and he'd still have an assist and maybe even a goal. I mean, the guy is just creating nonstop chances. It's uh, It's awesome to watch. Yeah, it really is. really is. All right, I guess we should move on to the nail in Ole's coffin. Yeah, that's it. That is Watford and United. So this was a match that was it was interesting because so you you know Ranieri just came to Watford, but they're I think they're bottom of the table. They're horrible this year, and even United on their worst day figured out this is you know pretty straightforward you know three points and. You get there, and United give away a penalty in the first 10 minutes. Ismail Assar steps up. De Gea saves it, which, again, yeah. I can't – when was the last time he saved a penalty? So he yeah. saves it. Then Watford score on the rebound. I forget who it was, but they were judged to have – Yeah, uh, it was rolled off. Right. Encroachment, right, yes. Yep. So 
sorry takes that go straight down the middle. De Gea saves it again. They were the most unconfident penalties right there. It was just insane how how unconfident the kid was. Um, that was terrible. I'm trying to think of their other good players. Not Ducore because Ducore left. I think. They have another good player that could take for it. So that's too bad on that young man. Yeah, I mean Joshua King, Josh King could take those two. You know, Troy Deeney used to be there back in the day, but he's old and gone. Yeah, but um, I mean, it was a very, a very sloppy start from Watford. And you figure, all right, they were lucky to even get those two chances. Now United are going to go win this thing, and then you know Watford dominated. I mean, Josh King, good goal to start things off. Um, Watford were two nothing up at the half. United finally, finally in the early part of the second half brought in Donny Van de Beek. And he actually scored a decent goal. Sancho had a pretty sweet cross. Yeah. Ronaldo, instead of heading. Really, really good header from, from, uh, from Van de Beek off of Ronaldo's nice pass. It was a, it was a pretty it, cheeky goal. I liked it. Yeah. It was one of those where, you know, you don't really see uh, Ronaldo assisting too often. It's, you know, especially in that spot when he's about three yards from goal, he's going to try and head it goalward, but um, a nice layoff to a wide open Van de Beek. So it was a nice, it was a nice move, but that was United's only goal of the whole game, which again, uh, pretty hard to believe. They had a few other chances there. Ronaldo probably should have scored. Van de Beek played him in twice. Once he blazed over, um, once Ben Foster saved uh, again, and then after that, everything unraveled. Uh, Harry Maguire lost his damn mind and had a horrible tackle. I forget if it was on Josh King or somebody else. But tackled from behind, clear red card, misses the next match, which he just did against Chelsea. And that was it. I mean, the writing was on the wall at that point. United were already 2-1 down. And even though they created a few more chances, Sancho had one. Uh, Van de Beek had one. Um, Ronaldo put one in the back of the net, but he was offside. Um, so it didn't count in the 77th minute. Uh, and then we get into stoppage time, and there's five minutes of extra extra time. Um, I forget who it was. Oh, it was um, – oh, what's his name? It was Joao Pedro came in and then nutmegged uh, De Gea for a goal in the 92nd minute. And then this yep. guy uh, – Bonaventura um just it was 96 minute he Watford heaved the ball upfield he's one-on-one against Dallow who came in for Shaw because Shaw got like his third concussion in the last five games it seems like he just got beat one-on-one and he beat De Gea far post so yep. it was an embarrassing embarrassing 4-1 defeat and that's when the rumors came out after about Ole being sacked and 24 well, hours first, later, it, it was true. Yeah, well, first, first it was that there was going to be a board meeting, number one. Yeah, and like then, an hour after. And then apparently, I don't know, maybe you confirmed this, he can. He found out um, through social media, or it was first put out through social media. I did hear that, too. I don't know if it was ever confirmed, but I, I heard the same thing. that. Okay. Um, I mean, there's so many leaks nowadays, too. I feel like in every sport, somebody hears about something breaking via social media before the club even tells them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of embarrassing, but anyway, what can you do? Par for the course for the red half. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, 
I don't know. I it's bittersweet for me. I I feel bad that that Ole, you know, I had to end like this. But this is also typical United. I mean, we've talked about in the past about how Ed Woodward was given three year deals to players like Chris Smalling and Phil Jones for doing nothing but showing up to to, to training every week, and Ole and his entire backroom staff got new three year deals. Which now that Ole's gone. And we'll talk about the management situation a little bit after we get through the recaps here. Yep. But it, it's pretty ridiculous that everybody got a three-year deal, and now they're probably all going to be out of a job. Maybe Michael <laughs> Carrick stays around. But it's just, it just adds cost to the payout when these people inevitably fail, and you fire them, and they leave. So it just it, it's just another irresponsible way that the Glazers run the club and they're all about their money and their finances and all that. It just seems like a giant waste. Unless somebody's out of contract or a year left, why would you give them a three-year deal if they don't deserve it? So anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's a, it's a joke. Um, no, obviously Carrick took over for a couple games and they brought in uh, Ralph Rangnick, who we'll definitely talk about later. Uh, yes. But just, uh, you know, the writing was on the wall for so long aptitude was there uh, everybody likes Ole obviously a nice I think um, you're maybe even relieved that he's out now because you can just go back to remembering him as the legend maybe and hopefully he doesn't tarnish that too much with what he's done as the manager uh, but um, yeah yeah, I, the writing was on the wall and it was just a matter of when and I don't think we ever started doing a pool of when it was going to be, but you know, you say it's November right for the push from a bunch. Of, um, I think maybe one of us might've even, you know, been close to the date. And I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me, but you would think, I mean, if you go back, right. Thrashed by Liverpool at home, th- even though the score wasn't a yeah. thrashing, but totally yeah. dominated by city. Then you go yeah. and you draw it at Atalanta and then you lose by three on the road to Watford. I mean, He's lucky he made it past the Liverpool game because that's when they were really calling for his head after that one because that was and, really, really embarrassing. And, you know, again, and you know what? They waited through the international break. They let him go for a week. Uh, everyone had vacation. Players were on the – many players to train. They let him have vacation, and then uh, he comes back, and then, you know, you go a couple weeks, and then, okay, now we're going to get rid of him. That's just not, not planning at all by a club. I don't. I don't no. know. I don't understand it at all. The timing. Obviously, it was time finally. But, oh, um, you know what I forgot too. So one important thing. So United got thrashed by Liverpool, right? Before the City game, there was actually United played at Spurs and they won three nothing, and Ole saved his job. But yes. what was interesting was Liverpool after that game, that was when Conte was still available and they were, they were saying, Oh, United's going to go in for Conte. They're going to fire yeah. him and bring him in. And then he, they go and they beat Nuno. Nuno gets fired. Yeah. Spurs were the ones to bring in Conte over the international break. And I feel like that may have given Ole that extra run of games against, you know, city and Watford and Atalanta. But I don't know. There was there was kind of news coming out of both sides of uh, of the board where you know certain board members didn't want Conte. They felt he was Mourinho 2.0, which I kind of would have agreed with. He's you know he wants all the power. He plays a certain way. Doesn't look great. I mean it, it's not bad. It's not Mourinho, but you know it's pretty close. 
And um, that was just interesting how, you know, the one match that Ole saved his job against Spurs, he had another manager fired, and that's one of the big names that was free off the managerial table. A little ironic there. It is. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good thing to bring up. Uh, a nice little twist in it, and it's going to be really interesting because I'm sure we'll uh, have chats about what's going to be going on with Tottenham soon with uh, the money. Even they have a lot of money that they can um, Levy very, very savvy. Um, I believe they do have a big purse that they're going to be spending. So interesting to see who they bring in over the window, who Conti wants, but he is not impressed with their squad at all. He's going to clear a lot of players out. We're going to see a lot of change at that club. That's yes. interesting also coinciding with how everything, all the changes we're going to see at uh, Newcastle as well. So that's kind of two teams over the next year or so that are going to be splashing a lot of cash into the transfer market, kind of taking over possibly, you know, obviously the big clubs like Madrid and, and Barcelona are going to sign, but obviously with uh, you know, Barcelona being heavily thing, you're going to see a lot of money coming out of those two clubs. And uh, I think Con positioned pretty well within that club. And it will be very interesting to see how the Harry Kane saga also shakes out a little bit more. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So let's move on to uh, to midweek uh, Champions League matches, and let's talk about the big one between City and PSG because this was a come from behind City win two to one at home, and that was huge because that guaranteed qualification for the knockouts. Yeah, um, and you know, obviously, it's awesome. We came away with the two one win, and uh, we do top the group, so we will be getting. Um, an easy draw uh, in the in the Champions League first or round of 16. So that's a really big positive that we, we got the win. And, you know, it was a come from behind victory, but we dominated the first, you know, 45 minutes. It was insane. Yep. It was probably better better than the, the Derby. I mean, we were just incredible. Um, we had Zinchenko playing the false nine, which is crazy, up front yeah, with uh, Sterling and Mares, And got to talk about just for a minute, um, and obviously uh, he's been, you know, we've talked and everything, and he has he was pretty a while, honestly, and now he has been very useful in his last, you know, run of games that he's gotten. Um, and that's going to be really interesting to see how many more starts he ends up getting over this real period how many starts he gets through the second half of the season and how that will affect his contract um because obviously he was talking how he would a different challenge and we know he wasn't getting a lot of time so uh just interesting that he's been useful very useful and scoring goals and doing uh, doing a lot um for the team and so i think that's really going to be interesting to see how that shakes out because i'd say like a month much like, you know, we can let Sterling go. We'll take the money for him. But if he can turn it back into a nice purple patch and run through, maybe he takes another shot at being in Pep's good graces and getting a lot of starts and we resign him. So yeah. very uh, interesting to start also with, you know, it sounds and appears like Ferran Torres is much more appealing to Barcelona than Sterling right now. So, um, you know, just interesting to see you know, what will happen kind of with him. But he had uh, 
a great goal and it took um it took us 32 shots over the two legs to score a goal against PSG which is pretty insane um if you think about it and uh PSG had like really honestly like maybe one chance in the entire first half that was decent it was right near the end um and geez, I mean, just, uh, okay. A couple other mentions. We talked about Sterling for a second. He had the first goal. Mares was incredible for the entire match. He was passing. He must add four or five amazing shots and was uh, amazing. He stopped so many shots that Mares probably should have scored on Mares could have had a hat trick on a different day. Um, yeah, seriously, just, he was a machine. Oh, I was, oh, I was it, scrutinizing that too, because Donnarumma was playing well in the, in the league on and they left yeah. him on the bench. And I was like, yeah, but yeah, justified was, his selection. I mean, he's played big though. He's got, I know, I think at least two from Real Madrid champions league medals, maybe yeah. years, um, or maybe Courtois had one. I can't remember. Uh, but, um, it's just, uh, he was just Wow, what a player, what a signing he's been. And he's just really unplayable. And I think um, he's one of the only guys that you really wouldn't really stick into the false nine position. You'd keep him out on the right and let him on his left and just do his thing every time. And if it just doesn't come off, it's just kind of not his day, unfortunately. But what a player. And then, uh, again, Bernardo Silva, he was uh, passing seven out of pretty incredible stat right there but yeah it was it was utter domination from city in that first half um we were we were really good Uh, obviously we came out not flat but some great passes down the left side uh that eventually led to the goal by mbappe which was you know pretty clean goal that was but the interplay between those three was disgusting and filthy and they had another two later on in the game that they didn't finish off that Neymar. that was the Neymar one yeah Yeah, so um through Ederson's legs the first one it was a nice finish from Mbappe it it really was and he celebrated and then I got really pissed off when him and I forgot who else dropped down to the ground and started doing I think it must have been him and Neymar started dropping down to the ground and we're doing and I think that really little passes (laughs) over the city players because um Right after that, you know, you get you get Jesus comes in for Zinchenko, and uh, it's an assist right away for Sterling, which was awesome, awesome, awesome. And then, um, you know, they finished the great comeback with the Silva had a great touch from a pass over the top. I don't remember who the pass was from, but it was a great. It might have been from Gundogan over the top, just a deft little touch down to Jesus right into his path, and a very very nice clean finish by Jesus um, in the box one touch. Really, really, uh, City were dominant. There were only a couple chances that PSG legitimately had, and uh, City had ninety three percent pass uh, pass accuracy, which is awesome, and fifty five percent possession against a PSG team, which, um, okay, let's, let's talk about it. Um, the, I can't remember it, but the sprints ran by city was so much higher. City's press was amazing. Every time we lost the ball, we were all over them as usual at Epic specs. And you can see the front three Messi, Neymar and Mbappe were all walking every time the other team was on defense and yep. show you exactly the Pep places on these players and why he likes Jesus so much, why he loves Bernardo Silva, these guys that run and, and, and 
fight yeah, to get the ball back every time and, and put him down. Um, yeah, the, the sprints were amazing, and PSG was just very, very lazy on top of it. Uh, so, yeah, City finished the group. Excellent game. Um, uh, so, right now, Sterling Raheem is the third uh, highest-scoring Englishman in the Champions League behind Rooney and Scholes, which is kind of hard to believe, and it's not hard to believe. I think he needs seven or – I think a seven or something like that to break uh, break that record foresee him that coming for him in a couple years at least in the very future so uh that's another reason you have to think city really want to keep him he's going to be making records for england he is one of the england stars and city want to keep keep their english players at the team yes yes yeah so uh so you know again awesome game we'll take whatever it was three points in the group and top the group so we'll have an easy i think um I'm not scared. I, I remember the list. I can't top it off my head, but I think, you know, you know, who they are in the second spot right now and probably take a spot. We're not scared of them. I think Bart not win their group. So they're in the spot. So yeah. I don't think we're really afraid of them right now. So I think we're in great shape and to top the group is, is excellent. And we really did dominate PSG. Uh, maybe not dominate, but we were definitely the much better team over two legs against PSG. I really think that outside of maybe PSG and Bayern, an English team is going to win this year because, I mean, not that, I mean, not that I would expect United up there, but the, yeah. you know, like Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, the quality they have, Real Madrid not as good as they used to be, Barcelona not as good as they used to be. Same with yeah. Juventus. It's really just Bayern and. Uh, PSG that have yeah. any chance of challenging, in my opinion, for the Champions League outside of those three clubs yep. in England. And you might have a surprise in Dortmund or Atletico getting through, but yeah, it's really, uh, it's really looking like the English clubs are looking good to get into. Hopefully, a couple semifinalists again would be really cool. It would be. It would be. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, good win for City. City, very good. Um, Pep felt that one too very happy with it um so the first united match post ole was arguably their toughest fixture in the champions league group stage which was at villarreal and Correct. so My- michael carrick so i guess we'll, let's go over this so first off ole gets fired carrick gets put in caretaker charge and then united come out with the fact that they are going to potentially hire an interim manager and then look to a point uh, a regular full-time manager in the summertime. But that week, there was chatter about Pochettino potentially leaving PSG, and that was coincidentally when he was in Manchester playing against City. too. Mm-hmm. And that, that talk died down eventually, but Michael Carrick took charge of the team. And first off, started Donny Vandebeek, finally. Didn't really yep. justify his selection. He came in for Bruno, didn't have a great game, but he played he played decent. He got like, you know, 60, 70 minutes before Bruno finally came on. But Villarreal, you know, United set up defensively really rock solid, which is pretty hard to believe. Um, Maguire, you know, obviously red card in the Premier League, so he was able to play this match. Veron's still injured, so it was Lindelof and Maguire at the back. And, and they played well. I mean, this was deadlocked until 75th minute um the Valerial keeper he so he passed 
he passed out short to I think it was uh, Etienne Capu, the fan, the former Watford and Spurs man, mm-hmm. and he had his back to goal, took a heavy first touch, had two or three United players around him that pressured him, and the ball popped up to Ronaldo who lobbed really one of the easier yeah. goals. It was a gift, and United capitalized from there and ran away with it. it Jin Sancho finally got his first United goal. It was a beautiful move after that for the second between Rashford, then to Fernandez, and then Sancho fired a shot bar down near post. It was a beautiful goal. Um, but unexpected, in my opinion, 2-0 away win, and that guaranteed United would actually finish top of the group because Atalanta um, drew against Young Boys in Switzerland mm-hmm. that night, 3-3. So um, I, I, not this coming week, but next week is United's uh, last Champions League fixture, which is home against Young Boys. You might see, you know, the Juan Matas of the world and the Phil Joneses of the world get a get a game in that one and give the big boys a rest, which will be nice. You would assume overall, that they're going to do that. Yes. Overall, very positive result. Was it amazing? Was it tactically, you know, spot on? No, but. You know, it was asked, it was nice to keep a clean sheet because I can't remember the last time United you know, kept a clean sheet. It was probably big point, right? Yeah, ten games. So yeah, well, um, big result. Yeah, um, yeah. So Michael Carrick coming in a, a, must be somewhat of a bounce for the players. I know it wasn't a great performance from you guys, but must be a little bit of a bounce for the players to know that at least there is going to be some kind of change and hopefully uh, coming to your club as a whole. Um, and obviously, uh, they announced that. Well, I don't. So okay. So we haven't gotten to that the announcement yet. So, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's um, let's move on to this weekend. We'll uh, we'll bring it into this weekend okay. finally. Yeah, um, yeah. Because let's talk about City against West Ham, the uh, the snowball, if you will. It was um, awesome. What'd you think obviously, of that man of the match was the grounds crew making the pitch nice and uh, clean during halftime. And I was really thinking like, damn, the, the ball's going to bobble everywhere. There's like big chunks of like snow everywhere. I think it might've been even better if they hadn't uh, cleared it off, but um, yeah, hats off to the, uh, the, the grounds crew, which I was thinking about it. And, and, you know, obviously uh, imagine if you, you know, if you're on the grounds crew and, you know, maybe you grow up supporting the team or whatever, but what a cool job to have to take care of that pitch and know that, you know, it's really cool. 80,000 people, wherever, uh, for any, you know, grounds crew to know that you take care of that stadium or, you know, the arena or anything like that, the pride you must take in, uh, you know, making sure of that is pretty cool. So it is hats off to them. So, uh, obviously about how the team picks itself, Sterling, Jesus and Mares, uh, again, a nice, nice, very strong have Katie be a, we didn't have Phil Foden available. We didn't have Jackie Greeley. The team did almost pick itself in that way today with those players being out. Um, but yeah. on the bench today again for That's Laporte. It. Yes, correct. And Laporte picked up uh, – Laporte's one yellow card away from getting a suspension, so I'm sure that will be coming up, uh, you know, before, the, uh, the, before the, uh, the second half of the season, right? That's when it resets, correct? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so he's close there. Uh, let's go over the stats real quick. City, 19 shots, nine on target, 69% possession, nine pass accuracy. Uh, if you just go through the last, whatever, again, it's 90 for 90%, 93%. Uh, where is it? And it's just incredible. 
um, the pass accuracy that city has had, uh, just crazy, crazy, crazy. So, um, city were, were good. West Ham really couldn't do much. They had a couple feeble opportunities, I'd say throughout the yeah. first half, but nothing really, again, they started okay, kind of strong in the first few minutes. And then after the first few minutes, city really, um, you know, took the reins over and were a much better team. Gundogan scored in the 33rd minute. Again, he's going to have a tough time. KDB is going to have a tough time, you know, getting an automatic spot back in the team. And, you know, KDB has been, you know, uh, assisting and helping, but he hasn't scored a whole lot of goals. He did score a couple in a couple games, but other than that, hasn't scored a whole lot of goals and hasn't been, you know, his excellent, excellent self. So Gundogan is, you know, just watch out. He could play a whole bunch of games and I definitely think we're going to resign him. So that was really good. And that was, that, that was, it, it seemed like four, uh, a few chances before good. And who yeah. was the assist from none other than Mr. Joe Cancelo, Cancelo culture for another, which is just, it's absurd how he is. It's absurd how he's, he's playing these balls in and it's just every game he's popping most to, to these incredible, incredible spots on the field. What a player. Awesome. And then, so, um, for, so it was, it was a game. It was a good game. We had opportunities. We probably should have. Fernandinho comes on for Sterling in the 87th minute and scores pretty much right away, which was assist from Gundogan gets the man of the match. Really good game. It was awesome seeing, um, seeing Fernandinho come in and score that goal and uh, uh, a couple other things vintage. right at right after that um Bernardo scored an amazing chip um but it was offside but it was an amazing one-on-one goal and it's going to be discounted yeah, it we'll see it again but it was awesome and then um we gave up this really stupid goal which it should have been a clean sheet and it was a goal to uh, Lanzini who is obviously was. a player and it was just ten- a bad pass out at in like the 94th minute or whatever and it was stupid so we did give up that one goal and we only got the two but overall city were the better team again and it's just again it goes to the fact that our team is pretty much picked itself which is great i've said it like three times already i'll say it one more time it picks itself and we don't really have to worry about it and our team is looking dominant against most teams obviously we give up an opportunity or two. If we're keeping the possession of the putting pressure on, we're going to have our days where we score four or five. And uh, hopefully we can, you know, keep it the scoring for the other team as low can be. For a while, that problematic game where we can't put ball, the balls in the net. Chris Ellis, overall, you got to think that we are just going to keep cruising in, uh, in this festive period. We don't have to deal with the, uh, the, uh, the Carabao cup either this year. So that's a couple more fixtures that we don't have to worry about. So our schedule is actually relatively lighter for the next uh, three weeks, four weeks. So um, that's that's exciting. And our team just looks dominant. So it's going to be interesting to see if KDB team regularly and uh, Jackie Grealish come in because again, Sterling is playing really well and uh, Barres is playing really well as well. So it can be really interesting, the competition for the spots up front and that, that third midfield spot right there. Yeah, it will be. It will be. And that's what it's I take from it. That's, yeah, that's what I take from it. City dominance. We have a, our team is selected, and it's going to be really cool to see how the third, uh, the front week. Um, 
it was a good win again, you know, really good opposition, adverse weather conditions, professional performance. You can't really say much else than that. It was a good win. Yeah. And I think that's the first back, uh, back-to-back losses for West Ham in the year too. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah they start, they've been starting the uh, season well. Yeah. I mean, so there's three, well, technically I guess on uh, Chelsea, there's four above United in the table right now. Um, West Ham and uh, what was the other one? Arsenal. Arsenal, yeah, are all above you guys in the top and the table, yeah. and also Chelsea too. So all four, uh, uh, four uh, London clubs are it's not good. I know, I know. Well, speaking of that, United played against Chelsea earlier today. Um, good segue. I didn't even realize I was getting into it. Nice. Yes, there you go. Nice. Uh, this was uh, Michael Carrick's second game in charge, and there were some early team news leaks about the possibility of Ronaldo not starting, which, you know, admittedly I laughed off, but then I saw the team sheet, and in fact he was not starting, which was obviously a huge call. Michael Carrick, Carrick with but... the big balls. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, he, I mean – he made, you know, ballsy call with, you know, hey, start Van de Beek. Uh, Villarreal didn't really work out, but went back to the well and didn't yeah. start Ronaldo in well, one of the biggest I, matches of the year, too. I was thinking, just real quick, I was thinking about how, you know, Pep has made some crazy kind of decisions over the last few years, or actually throughout his career, if you really want to look at it in, in big yep. moments. But he's never, ever been scared to make a big decision and to have the balls to do it. And that's exactly what you're lacking from Ole uh, or were lacking from Ole. And which I think it's a big, big thing that Michael Carrick did that. And uh, yes. I actually think that's a big signal for the club to actually do that. And I really kind of like that decision, which is a very ballsy. And again, I think at the top in these, in these kinds of conditions, you have to make difficult decisions. He was never willing to get rid of McFred. And the decisions that he made without Donnie Vandebeek being in the lineup, uh, questionable uh, tactics or lack of any tactics at all, um, just goes to show, you know, that he was not, not right. And even though Pep gets it wrong sometimes, he's never scared to, to make a big decision, which you have to want your manager to do. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, for this one, I went into it thinking, all right, you know, Chelsea, top of the league, just demolished Juventus at home during the week. United are going to get plastered. And this was a 1-1 draw, and it was actually a game that United could have won. Um, United set up a in a another different kind of formation. This was a 4-3-1-2 where midfield – so first of all, back line, I thought United were going to lose like 4-0 because we had uh, Juan Basaka – Baye, the liability, Lindelof, and then Tellis on the left because Shaw was hurt. And then in the midfield, you had McTominay, Fred, and Matic. Nobody outstanding there. And then I don't want to call Fernandez a false nine, but he was the one that was sitting behind in, you know, in his 10 position between uh, who was it, Sancho and Rashford. So, but he would press up into a false nine position when Chelsea had the ball to try and put pressure on them too. So it was an interesting change of formation and change of role for Fernandez. And I feel like it worked out. I mean, United didn't have any 
clear cut chances. There's a stat um, called XG expected goals. And in the first half United's was 0.02, which tells Ooh. you they had literally no chances in the first half. Um, they were lucky to go in nil, nil Chelsea probably should have been up to nothing in the first five minutes. De Gea came up with a couple saves. One was from Rudiger tipped it out of the bar. The other one was from Hudson Adoy. Um, he's been outstanding so far this season, but going to the second half, United's goal was actually on a Jorginho mistake. It was Chelsea had a corner. I think they had like 15 corners this match. Didn't convert on any of them, but they had a corner. Uh, Fernandez clear, just literally booted it upfield. Jorginho was the last man had Sancho and Rashford closing him down. And he, instead of heading the ball back, uh, upfield, he let the ball bounce and he miscontrolled it and Sancho picked, nicked it off him and they had a two-on-one against uh, Mendy and Sancho clu- just really coolly slotted it past him you know, he, he kind of gave him a little hip fake with a shimmy thinking that he was going to pass to Rashford and then he slid it right by him near post. Yep. It was a nice move uh, first Premier League goal for Sancho which is huge for him, especially coming off a week where he just scored his first United goal against Villarreal and you know what? If you told me that going in that United would get a point, I'd be happy with that. I'm not really happy, though, with the, the manner in which they got the point because Jorginho scored on a penalty, and it was a, a Juan Bissaka gift because he kicked through Thiago Silva to clear the ball. And, it, I mean, we can talk about this more later, but Juan Bissaka has been a shadow of himself this year. He's been terrible. Last year, I mean, he's never been an offensive stalwart by any means but at least he could tackle and play defense but this year he's been awful and and he showed it once again by giving away that penalty i'll be curious to see if he keeps his spot going forward because he's had a run the past like three or four match days where he's just been probably one of the worst players on the pitch but one one draw very happy with the point we'll take it i think we're up to eighth now play arsenal during the week this week which we'll get into soon but um yeah, I think this will be the last uh, last game is Car- with uh, Carrick in charge, but he made a big call. Obviously, Ronaldo came on late, so did Donnie Van de Beek and, and Jesse Lingard. No one really made a big difference. I will say Chelsea probably should have won it, and I think in the, the 97th minute, um, Rudiger had a clear-cut chance, and he freaking volleyed it in the, the you know, 150th row. Um, and it was a tough chance, but it was, you know, nonetheless, something clear cut that somebody who wasn't a center back probably would have scored. So, you know, it'll take the point. It was a big match. I think I saw something where um, Chelsea have not beat United in the last four times they've met, which is pretty crazy because Chelsea have been playing really well, especially since two came in last year. Yeah. Overall though. Good point. Good point. We'll take it. The point. I think the point is awesome. Definitely uh, sure love, you seeing you guys, <laughs> love seeing you guys split the points right there. So now looking at the table, because of that point, City are uh, one point behind Chelsea. Liverpool are one point behind City. Uh, it's going to be a – and then I think I think five points or six points behind them are, are West Ham and a couple other teams. Uh, but dynamite race, and especially, again – like with this festive period coming up, but it's going to be a really awesome race between these three teams. It could even get worse before it gets better, but a lot of competition coming from those other London teams, except maybe Arsenal will keep up their run of form. 
Um, Mikel Arteta is finally maybe uh, things are coming through and his methods are finally cut paying. Uh, but I think it's going to be this three horse race for really the rest of the year. I agree with that. Oof. Let's uh, let's move on to some picks because we've got we so many picks. a few weeks. Um, and we are actually going to do two match weeks worth of picks because this is, even though we're not in the festive period yet, yeah, there's technically a match week. week. Yeah. Yes. Wednesday, Thursday, and then Saturday, Sunday. So back to back. So I got five for each. Um, all right. So week 11, we finished that. Um, so I was actually, oh no, sorry. Okay. Um, we need to recap week 11, 12, and 13. So I'll go through these quick. So before week 11, this is where we left off in week 10, you were up 35, 34. Um, so week 11, United against City in the Derby. City won 2 nothing. You had a 3-2 win. I had a 3-2 United win. So you got the point there. Atalanta, you had a 2-1 win. I correctly picked the 2-2 draw, which gave me the five oh. points to your nothing there. Um, um, yeah, I know. City and Bruges, you both, we both got the points there. No correct scores. And then Everton Spurs, West Ham Liverpool, Leeds Leicester, and Chelsea Burnley none of us picked correct scores for those. So six for me, two for you in week 11, which brought us to 40 points for me, 37 for you. Um, Going into week 12, um, I had United beating Watford 4-1. Or sorry, uh, 3-1. And the irony was that they lost 4-1. You (laughs) had a 1-1 draw. So no one got the points points there. Uh, City and Everton, I had a 2-0 City win. You had 3-1, so no correct scores, but one point each. Um, Leicester and Chelsea. Chelsea won that 3-0. I had 1-1 draw. You had 2-1 Leicester win, so no points for either of us there. Liverpool against Arsenal last week. Uh, Arsenal lost that one on the road, 4-0. I had 4-1 to Liverpool. You had 2-1, so a point each. Um, Spurs and Leeds. uh, Spurs won that one. Two to one. Uh, you had a one-one draw. I correctly picked two-one to Spurs. That was five points for me on that one. Good boy. I know. And then Villarreal, United, and PSG City. Uh, no one got the points on either of those. So after week twelve, that left us at Andrew forty-seven, Steve thirty-nine. Oh boy. And then we went into week thirteen. Um. So City beat West Ham 2-1. We both had City wins there, but no correct score, so a point each. Uh, Chelsea and United, I had a 2-1 Chelsea win. You had a 2-2 draw, so with a 1-1 draw, you picked up the point there. Um, Burnley and Spurs didn't count, unfortunately postponed due to the bad snow conditions over at Turf Moor, so no points there. Arsenal-Newcastle, I had a 2-2 draw. You had a 2-1 Arsenal win. That was a 2-0 Arsenal win. Um, so one point for you, um, Liverpool, Southampton, four nil to Liverpool. You had three nil. And I, unfortunately for you had four nil, which makes oh, made it three weeks in a row. Oh, I had a correct score, which left us with week I'm 13. down 11. Oh my God. Down 10. Luckily. 10. So wow. 53 to 43. Oh. But as we just spoke about weeks, 14 and 15, I'm coming here. 
five matches each, so ten opportunities to pick up points. So and, let's and, start in week point early in the year. I was up by you, uh, up on you by I think eight points as well. So can things can change around? That is absolutely true. At one point, you were up twenty-four yes. to sixteen in week six. Yeah. Um, but let's start week fourteen here. Um, interesting one for City going to Aston Villa this week where Steven Gerrard, one Steven Gerrard, is now the manager, and he's won his first two matches. What do you think on that one? Uh, Steven Gerrard, Steve McQueen, Steve <laughs> from down the block. Doesn't matter. We're taking all the points right there. We're going to go into Villa. We're going to win. Um, it's going to be probably let's going to go. We're going to – I think Villa will be – we're going to a good show. Um, I don't know how they did this week. Um, was that the one that was, uh, no, that was Tottenham and Burnley. Um, but I'll, I'll give city three, one. All right. Three, one. Yeah. Villa this week, um, one, two, no home. Oh no, sorry. They, that was Jared's first match this week. Uh, they won two, one at palace, um, yeah. which is always a tough place to play. So, yeah. um, so you're going two, one city. Yeah. No, I said three, one, didn't I? Oh, sorry, 3-1. You said 3-1. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I'm going 2-2 two, two draw okay. Optim- the, for up in the optimist. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll, I'll take an easy point right there. <laughs> um, United hosting Arsenal. Uh, this is probably going to be Ralph Ragnick's uh, first match in charge. I'm going with a 3-1 United win. What do you think on that one? Um, you know what? I think Arsenal have been probably in pretty good form right now. I think it'll be a big bounce for the team. Uh, but I think in the end, it's going to be – I'll go 1-1. One, one. All right. Um, Merseyside Derby, uh, Everton hosting Liverpool. Everton losers of five of their last six. Liverpool have been on a roll. I can't remember the last time they lost a game. What do you think on this one? Can I say 9 nothing? <laughs> no, uh, no. I'll give a 4-0 uh, win to Liverpool. All right. I'm going with uh, with 3-1 to Liverpool okay. on that one. Um, Watford at home against Chelsea. I'm going 2-1 for Chelsea. I think Watford will score at home. Uh, but what do you think on that one? Uh, Chelsea uh, don't, you know, that this could be a run of bad form for Chelsea after the draw. So I'm going to give them another 1-1. All right. And lastly, for this match week, Spurs hosting Brentford. Um, Conte's second home match in charge of Spurs. What do you think? Uh, give me a uh, give me a two one Brentford away win. Ooh, wow! I'm going three nil home Spurs win. We'll wow. Okay, so that's good. And I'm just uh, well, yeah. Um, I just, I just, I just, obviously, you know, that Conti doesn't in his team. So I don't think they're going to get a big bounce from it. And uh, Brentford's, they'll scrap. So I think they'll smell a little bit of blood in the water. And I think they can take. Yeah. Hey, it's the Premier League. Anything can happen. Watch, right. it'll be a draw. Neither of us will get points. But anyway, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, so match week 15. United at home against Crystal Palace. Palace has been pretty good this year. I'm going to go for a uh, a two one United home win. What do you think? Uh, I think 
that time, uh, United will get their act together too, and I will say 3-1 United. All right. Uh, Watford seemed to have drawn the uh, the short straw in terms of their scheduling because they go from hosting Chelsea to hosting City within the span of three days. Uh, what do you think on that one? Yeah, it's really nice. I think, um, again, I think Watford will probably have a result against Chelsea, but I think City come in and dominate. I'll give City a 4-0 win. All right. I'm going to go with a 3-1 City win on that one. Okay. Um, Villa hosting Leicester. I'm probably going to – I'm thinking I'm going to go 2-1 Villa on this one. What do you think? That sounds like a pretty reasonable score. Uh, Leicester, I'm down a little. 1-0 uh, win. Um, to Villa? To Villa, yes. Steven Gerrard. All right. Um, two more left. Everton hosting Arsenal a few days after Merseyside Derby. So Arsenal, two big games in a row. United, then Everton. What do you think Ar- here? Arsenal continue rolling 2-0. I think Everton right. are going to have a really tough time right now. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. For the sake of it, I'm going to go 1-1 one, one draw because I think that they're going to try and get something out of that match, but we'll see. Um, last but not least, London Derby, West Ham hosting Chelsea. Who you got on that one? Uh, Chelsea to – even though they're West Ham is hosting, I'll give Chelsea uh, – actually, no, we'll go 1-1. We'll, go one, one. we'll take a draw there too. I think I've given Chelsea a few 1-1 one, one draws. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right. Um, that's it. We shall see. Uh, next weekend we'll have uh, we'll have two matches to recap, but they'll be in quick succession. So we'll go into more detail there. Let's move on to uh, to open play. What topics do you have to close this thing out? Well, I think just real quick, we kind of talked about it. Um, you know, seeing to see what happens with Sterling's contract now that he uh, he's been getting more game time, and you know, was he really just saying that he wants to go to another league and another challenge? Um, kind of think if he can stay in the Premier League pretty cool but again that's going to be interesting to see back runs up and the at uh, Barcelona have been in town that Ferran Torres wants to leave for Barcelona so, um, he went into the game um, in the international break what was it the Nations Cup final or the semifinals yes. or whatever with, uh, with a broken metatarsal I think and so he played through that game and He's out for three or four months now, and, you know, he's coming back slowly. But, you know, pretty selfish decision. If he wants to go back to Barcelona and he's not happy, then I think let him go. I think we need to get a reasonable price for him, which is at least double what we paid for him. So I don't think we accept anything less than, you know, 50 million million pounds probably. Um, And I think it's – you know what? If he wants to go, unfortunately, he's pretty good, but he's still – only a promising player. We have another promising player in Palmer that will just come and take his spot on the That's on the right. bench. So, He's being uh, so 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 does it bother me that much? No, but that's one to keep track of. And it looks really like Barcelona is going to pick off another one of our younger players. We sold them Eric Garcia a couple years ago, um, or maybe it was a year ago. Can't remember. And obviously they took Aguero. Well, didn't take Aguero, but they they brought him in on the free. So, you know, Barcelona is definitely trying to come in on taking, you know, City's territory. And you think Javi is going to look at a couple more options from players that City have had. And uh, it'll just be interesting. So, if he wants to go, let him go. Time for Cole. 
James McAtee. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, any, uh, any you? Um, he's a good I, player. He's a good player. He's going to score goals. He's been very good for his country. But, you know. I I agree. I think that he'll probably go. But like you said, next man up mentality. City have really good youngsters in their in their U twenty one squad that are ready to come in and play. I mean, yeah, I think Palmer's the next Foden. He's ready to step up, and he's already yeah. been kind of blooded in a little bit, similar to when you saw. And again, Foden. like I said, at least fifty million into our coffer. At least, at least, yeah. and they'll probably put that money toward trying to bring in Holland next year yeah, too. Correct. So. We'll see what happens there. So um, those are um, those were my only big things, and then obviously we got to talk about the the new man in charge. Yeah, that was that was uh, what I was going to leave for last. So let's get into yeah. that because um, you know we talked a little bit before about all right, you know, a few weeks ago it was potentially Conte, and then you know all this week you'd been hearing about Pochettino, and then you heard about Eric Ten Hag, who is over at uh, IX doing really well. And then you started to hear a little bit of rumor going on about Ralph Ragnick. And I always say Ragnick. It's technically Rang, Ragnick. There's an N before the G. Rang, I'm say it. Ranga. Rang, Rang, Ranga. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so he actually, and I was doing a little more reading on him. He was the, you know, I guess you can call him a godfather of what's called the Gagan Press, which is basically the style that Tuchel plays with at Chelsea, that Klopp plays with at Liverpool, and to some degree what Pep plays with at City, where you have basically everybody swarming the other team for possession to try and win the ball back as soon as you lose it. And it'll be very interesting to see how United will adapt to that style coming in. And the big talk has been, all right, well, what's going to happen with Ronaldo, because the dude's 36 and he doesn't really seem very interested in pressing. Um, and Gary Neville actually had a try to make a funny today about the United lineup. Like, oh, did Carrick get his lineup from from Ragnick? Um, and I think Carrick was actually asked about that after, and he was like, "Yeah, haha, no." Um, but it wouldn't surprise me going forward when Ragnick comes in to to see players like Ronaldo being left out, especially in favor of somebody like Cavani, who even though he's basically just as old as Ronaldo, loves to press. The guy runs all Correct. over the place. Um, and that's at the end of the day what United need. I mean, Fernandez presses, Sancho will press, Rashford, you know, Fred's probably going to be his favorite guy, which, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, but it'll be very interesting. I, I do think that United finally made the right call. I think the the potential pitfall here is there's a situation now where, you know, Ragnick comes in. He was uh, one of the sporting directors over at Locomotive Moscow, which he must have been paying a crap ton of money to be plying his trade in Russia, of all places, um, especially after doing so well with, uh, with Hoffenheim and RB Leipzig in the Bundesliga. But it'll be very interesting because he signed a contract for – basically till the end of the season as interim manager. And then he's going to take on a consultancy role with John Murtaugh and uh, Darren Fletcher, technical and sporting directors at United for two years after that. But our good friend Fabrizio Romano said that 
Ragnick would be interested in keeping the managerial role long-term if United were interested in him staying on. So it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see how that situation unfolds because I wonder if you get another Ole situation, I'm not saying that Ragnick's anything like Ole because he's definitely more organized. He has a system that he wants to play. You know, he's not like the, the you know, he's not going to get the KDB comment about, yeah, we didn't know the way they're going to play. You know, they were out there for 10 minutes. You know the way Ragnit's going to play. You know that United are going to be forced to press, just like most of the other good teams. But let's say United win the FA Cup, where they do well in the Champions League. They get to the quarters, the semis, and they finish top four. Would United consider keeping him on long term if he was interested at the expense of not bringing in Pochettino for like the 55th time or someone like Ten Hag who in fairness would play a very similar style to Ragnick um, once he implements that because that's what most modern managers want to play it's just a question of do United want to take that chance again and lose out on one of their preferred candidates because somebody else is doing well in an earn-term role. I feel like maybe they would they would try that if he won something, but I, I feel like United have been burned in the past, especially with the Ole situation there too. I, I think that given that Ragnick would have the extra two years in the consultancy role, I, I think that he wouldn't feel slighted if he weren't given the long-term role. You know, we'll have to keep an eye on that situation, but yeah, well, it'll be interesting. Play- yeah, and and a couple of things. He's obviously how he's you know the godfather of uh, you know the pressing over in Germany with Klopp and uh, um, Tuchel, and also Julian Nagelsmann is a disciple of him as well. Um, yep. And just really quickly, I, I, obviously, I didn't grow up, and I think I've said this a couple of times. I didn't grow up playing soccer. You did. When I first really started, first thoughts were you know, and this is probably you know, gosh you know, 16, 17 years ago where, you know, why don't players like run at the ball more for the offensive players up front? Really always wondered that. And I always just thought, why don't teams play like that all the time and try and put, it's really hard for, you know, teams to be good the quality, even 15 years ago is maybe not as good as. So I always wondered, you know, why people didn't press more and why teams didn't press the ball more and try and create more and try and create easier goals or easier possession up front. So I like, obviously, I like the high-intensity high pressing game. Um, and so I do think at least if they're going to put something, that's probably a pretty good decision from United. Now, players that he likes, he likes under 23, very young. He, he likes them very fast and to be very – so um you know if that's the way they're going to go he's implemented this system at a germany stuttgart uh schalke and he had five years at hoffenheim he did pretty well during that time so he obviously yep. has a style that he wants to bring in and try and introduce and you got to think that's good for a guy like Jaden sancho uh and you have to think that he's going to bring in some real real youth into the club uh, that will, you know, obviously, unlike, you know, Van Holland and Mourinho and uh, Moyes, I can't, you know, tell you the leftovers, but they've taken a lot of gamble. Really, very few guys have paid. I think uh, 
the players that he has produced, like uh, a couple of players, I can't remember the names off the top of my head, but have come out and been incredible players. So I yeah, think you're going to be uh, Yeah, exactly. So there's a bunch of players. Uh, there were a few more. So I think that that's a, it, it's, I think it is a good signing and you're right. It's going to be interesting to see what happens if there's a transition away from him and how his fingerprints on what the coach has to do, obviously being the sporting content. So, um, I think it's probably a pretty good decision, at least if they have a plan in place and can have a couple transfer windows, but it's not going to turn around in six months. So I think that, you know, you guys could win, but probably inconsistent results until, until the plan is really implemented into play. Yeah, and you you bring up a good point because I saw that uh, that Klopp had a, a recent interview about Ragnick, and you know he praised him, saying, "Oh, you know it's it's bad for the rest of us. You know they're going to be organized now. They're going to be playing really well." Um, but one of the things he pointed out is that Ragnick's coming in at a time of year where it's arguably the busiest period in terms of number of fixtures you know the champions yeah. league group stage goes away but you have all those premier league games at the end of um december and early january and you have met much fewer training sessions because you have to give players days off to recover so he's not going to have as much time when he comes in and again first game is probably going to be against arsenal this week this thursday depending on when his work permit comes in um he's not going to have many training sessions in order to implement his tactics and get things started. So I feel like we're probably going to see the same kind of inconsistent languid United. Um, again, it'll be interesting as we go to see what happens in the January transfer window to see if United bring in a holding midfielder or someone else who maybe Ragnick has identified as, as somebody we need. I, I feel like midfield is the obvious area where we need reinforcements, maybe right back too. But at the end of the day, Klopp brings up a really good point. This is, you know, I would feel a lot more confident in him coming in, you know, any other time of year, but this time of year, because he's really not going to have many training sessions with this group of players. Yeah, uh, it could get worse before it gets better. It's it's probably inconsistent. And uh, I think at this point, you really got to be shooting for a fourth place, which is disappointing for United fans that, you know, fourth place, but that's been par for the course for, um, yeah. And so maybe this is finally, maybe, maybe this is finally a good decision by the employers over there, the Glazers. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, Hey, it, it's been a long time. It's hard to know what's the right decision versus not, but it, this feels like the right decision. We'll it see. How, uh, All right. Let's play a quick, play, let's play one quick little game before. Would you yes. rather have Ragnick or Brendan Rodgers? Um, it's a fair question. So, you know, on one hand, you have Rodgers, somebody who's proven in the Premier League, you know, with both Liverpool and now Leicester as of late. Really good manager. Um, plays attacking football, strong midfield players, really good attackers. Um, you know what? I, I'm... I might give the edge to Rogers only because of that Premier League experience. Because you know Ragnet's done in the Bundesliga. I know that you know Klopp and Tuchel have come over here and done well in the Premier League. So hopefully the same you know trend uh, goes towards his way. But at the same time, 
it makes a difference. Uh, you know, you always hear about players like, oh yeah, you know, their first season in the Premier League, they didn't play too well. They had to adapt. I feel like there's going to be a period where Ragnar's going to have to adapt because the Premier League is not the Bundesliga and it's not Locomotive Moscow either. Right about that. So, Brandon Rogers, would you rather have Rangnick or Mauricio Pochettino? Um, I mean, on that one, I, I would probably have to go Pochettino, too, because he's a known commodity. The only downside is that, you know, Ragnick's won things before and Pochettino hasn't. So, you know, Pochettino, you know, for all, you know, his name up in lights and everything and being a PSG, he hasn't won anything yet. So that would and be does he only... have a real lot to actually manage at well? Yeah. Like I, he has decisions to make. Really? No. I mean, no, no. Yeah. It, it's a fair point. So, I mean, I would probably lean Pochettino only for that prior experience, okay. but Ragnus would be closer to Pochettino in okay. my mind than he would be for Rogers. All right. Would you rather rang Nick or Antonio Conte. Oh, Ragnick, yeah. I wouldn't want Conte near any anything related to United. I, I don't right. like his style of play. And I think he would drive a lot of people like Ronaldo and That's Rashford amazing. crazy. Last yes. one. Would you rather have Ragnick or Zinedine Zidane? Um, I would probably go Ragnick again. I think Zidane's done well, but he's done well with stacked teams. Um. And United have a pretty good squad, but they're not, you know, especially with that midfield, they're nothing compared to what he had at at Real Madrid with players like, you know, Ronaldo and Bale and Benzema and Modric and Cruz. Um, I, I don't think that he would do as well. I think that Ragnick needs to come in, basically rebuild from the ground up. I know that's, you know, pretty strong opinion, but United need a whole philosophy implemented. I don't know if Zidane is capable of doing that. Yeah, so Ragnick, Ragnick right in the middle of the pack right there. A couple of rumored managers that you would take before him and a couple rumored managers you would not take before him. So interesting right there. Going to be yeah. really, uh, really, again, it's just going to be interesting to see a name totally out of left field that probably, or even I guess I could have thrown Ten Hag out there too, uh, but just a name out of left field that has, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see the storylines that come out of the six, next six months or out even even the next month in the transfer window. Do we see Ronaldo leave or not leave? You know, is his role reduced? Is he going to be willing to press? Will Ragnick have time with training to get in order? Uh, it's, it's interesting, the storylines. I think cities is a lot less complicated. It's going to be how many wins do we have? How many points do we drop? And yours is a, a lot, a lot different. It's going to be, what are we building? Who is coming in? Uh, so the storylines that should be coming up are going to be awesome. And I, I'm excited for the next yeah. month and getting into the, you know, into the transfer window, which we haven't been able to do for a while. So it's going to be, going to be fun. It will be. I mean, Hey, by the next time we chat next weekend, either this Arsenal game coming up Thursday or palace on uh, I believe it's on Sunday. One of those two games will be Ragnar's first game in charge, so we'll have something to talk about there. It'll be interesting to see if he implements any changes right off the bat. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think we covered it. I don't think there's much else that you know we missed. Anything else going on in the United world? That's the biggest thing right there. I think. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's pretty much it. I mean. Yeah. No. I, I think, think at the end of the, the day, it's, I think it's the end of the day. We can kind of. 
and say that, you know, Manchester is blue. The philosophy of the team is clear over on this side. And uh, maybe that will be coming for the red side. Who knows? Oh, only one can hope or one can only hope. But uh, one can only hope. Yeah. So we're uh, we're coming up on 88 minutes, though. So I hope everybody enjoys the listen as we caught we up. Did, we did some good work to all our listeners in Germany and all guys are. Uh, we should definitely do some kind of jersey giveaway or do something to see if we can get our uh, get our fans interacting with the next one. So I think we got to come up with something. Uh, maybe we can give something. Yeah, man. Kind of get this going a little bit more and maybe even a little, a little bit of interactive. It's the holiday season, the season of giving. There you go. This is like it. So we'll, we'll form <laughs> something for that. Um, and yeah, looking forward to getting it done next week. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Thank you all. As always. Manchester is purple. Uh, we will be back next week and uh, I'm going to say goodbye. Everybody have a good one. Have a good one, everybody. See you guys. Adios. Ciao. Bye.